Hello, my friends. Hello, Nigel. Morning, Tim. How are you, mate? Excellent. Excellent. Still, what are we, day 700, still in isolation? It's actually only been three weeks. <laughs> but no, I am very, very well. Thank you for asking. All good on the home front? Yeah, buddy. Really getting used to uh, having a little helper uh, with all of my meetings and all of my editing. So it's it's fun. It took a while to get used to, be quite honest. But um, now I enjoy it. Just comes in, has a bit of a cuddle, runs out again. All good. Good. Just for those who don't know, he's talking about his daughter. Not some, um, yeah, so, because remember this is a audio um, medium, so you actually have to explain the things you're talking about. You know what? Um, everyone's been home long enough now. You interpret it however you want, whatever's going to get you through the day. That's true. If you haven't already switched off by now, good. Thank you for uh, allowing us to go through this. Now, want to um, want to talk about growth, want to talk about profitability, want to talk about pushing forward in the COVID-19 world and some of the things that we need to be evaluating as business owners, SMEs particularly, um, because it's generally a concept that a lot of corporates have understood for quite a while um, and I'll explain why a bit later on. But we want to talk a little bit around calibrating your sales and marketing strategies to think about it in a different way of client acquisition. So what we want to talk a little bit about is the concept of loss leaders and with most SMEs or smaller businesses or businesses that um, uh, probably have less experience or are in the early stages of their business career and experience, they generally don't understand the concept of what a loss leader is. And the thing that's important to understand is loss leaders can be a very, very quick way of scaling your business but you need to understand the concept and the theory so you know when to turn it on and off at different times. And so the COVID-19 stuff has obviously given us a lot more time to consider things but also change the landscape. So a lot of businesses that could operate how they once were are obviously unable to do that and we don't know post um, COVID-19 how we'll be able to operate. So we have to think about that also in terms of the way we used to acquire clients. And I want to talk about what is a loss leader? And it is, it's this whole idea of when should I start make, making money from my client? So when should I actually, I shouldn't say client, I should say prospect. So when you go to acquire a client, at what point does your business plan to make money from them? And now that might sound very, very confusing. And if you are confused by that, listen on. The idea is most businesses grab a client and then start making money from them straight away, correct? Definitely. So the idea is you get a prospect, you turn them into a client and you make a margin on that client and you rinse and repeat, try and get as many as you can. Obviously being a little simplistic because there's not the evolution of the business model, there's not putting in the scaling practice, there's not the adjustment for you know, product fit, market fit, opportunities, all these sort of things. So I'm just, I'm just being in the most basic of levels. But what needs to happen sometimes when there's um, situations like we find ourselves in at the moment, you've got to understand or you've got to think about what is a client worth to me and what is the lifetime value of an average client? And so when you start understanding these things like what's a lifetime value, which means, you know, the amount of time a 
client is going to spend with me over their entire lifetime on average. And if you start tracking that as a business, you start to work out, do I actually need to make money up front from clients? So we had a personal situation um, the other day where we're dealing with a supplier and it's sort of COVID-19. I wanted to help them out a little bit by taking on their service earlier than I usually would. So for me, I'm like, you know what? This is not in the quarterly plan. This is not in the the marketing plan right now. But I think if I help this person out, it's going to be good for us and puts us under a little pressure because we're sort of stepping outside the plan. But it's good for everyone. Now, the response from that person was, I don't think it's right for me right now because they're looking short term, which is, hey, I'm happy to come on. Um, Happy for you to offer a discount. They offered a discount it was an opportunity right now to solidify me as a client and I'm the type of person and business who's also got access to a lot of businesses who also owns a lot of other businesses that most likely that would have been, if you performed well, an opportunity of a lifetime. So smaller business, I'm a step up in client for them and literally what they don't understand is not all clients are to be poured on and looked at as the same as I need to make money because you need to be looking strategically at the type of client. Now, don't get me wrong. If this comes across as Tim whining about because he couldn't get a discount, it's not that at all. It's it, it's my admiration of the person to be able to A, contact me, B, put a deal that makes me want to go faster than I usually would as in I want to bring forward their service because they presented it so much they sold me on the opportunity they sold me on what could happen and it was a good deal so they go get you got me I like it let's do this but then wanted to try and make me pay a premium for that when their whole sales process was around this is the right time and that's why I need to bring you forward and I'll make sure that this is a lower risk for you to start this earlier and what it's done for them is they've missed out on an opportunity to secure a 10-year client so say say over 10 years I would have spent oh, somewhere in the vicinity of 150 to 500,000 with these people and instead they've found a way over the sake of the next 10, 12 weeks where there might have been a 20% reduction or even a 50% reduction, they've foregone potentially half a million dollars over the next few years in sales. And why? Because they're thinking so short term. They're thinking I still need to make the margins I was making two months ago instead of how do I feel the capacity in my business at the moment And what do I need to charge in order to get more people filling that capacity right now when the world's in a bit of uh, turmoil? And you've got to understand this this concept of lost leader. And in that case, it wasn't even a lost leader. It was just a reduction in fees. So that's even more ignorance. It's, It's not thinking about I'm still making money and I'm getting an opportunity and I'm filling capacity. Why wouldn't I do that deal right now unless it was costing me a hell of a lot of money during this time, which I know for a fact it wasn't. And so when we're, we're looking at our marketing systems, and Nigel, we've, we've done this quite often, we talk about what can we afford to pay to bring on a client? 
because our average client stays for so many years, spends this much on average per week, per month, per year, and we make this margin on that type of client. Great. How do we incentivize more of those clients to come in? And we actually can work it out from a capacity point of view of when we increase our capacity. How do we get to cost neutral at first and then start growing it from the, the net revenues we need to make after that? Most businesses just see it as, okay, I need to sell the same thing over and over again. There's no sophistication to the way that they look at how do I attract clients faster even if I was losing money in the first part of the engagement? Because once you get to that understanding and you understand what is it that I need to do to grow faster, as long as I don't run out of money and I keep expanding and growing, well, there may be some tools in your arsenal and your marketing sales that you can really start aggressively doing things. For instance, if I had a product or service, for instance, I'm selling to a shop and if I know the shop on average keeps me for two years in terms of stocking products because I've got a little bit of um, track record on that, would there be anything wrong with giving all the product away free of charge for the first month in order for a, for a store that hasn't tried you before to try you? Now, I'm not saying give away things. It's not about discounting and, and you know reducing your margins. It's about how can you aggressively put together some options for people to more aggressively grow without going broke. So if you knew the lifetime value for, a, say, a client was $10,000 and it cost you $3,500 to service them and you're playing with a margin somewhere in between there of you know, $5,500, sorry, $6,500. My maths is a bit rusty. I spill this isolation. Well, you've got to work out then what what can we afford to get that customer for? Because even if you're at cost neutral, I'm not talking about losing on your gross margin, I'm talking about even if we were cost neutral for the first part of that engagement with the client, but we all we did as a business was keep our average lifetime value up, we start to look at the world a very different way and we start to look at opportunities in a very different way. And this is the difference between SMEs and I guess business owners is SMEs, don't necessarily have the capacity because more clients means more work. But when you start having people doing the work within your business, it becomes more of fulfilling their capacity as fast as you can at margins you need to go. And when you don't have capacity, how can we make something instead of nothing in those times? And it's the same with, you know, even with gyms or hairdressers, it's why you see discounting. It's why you see if you come during these times, it's off. It's why um, cinemas in Australia were traditionally Tuesday nights were um, uh, tight ass Tuesday night, which was basically just cheaper movie tickets. But I think it's become the most um, popular night of the whole uh, week because people want the cheap tickets, but it doesn't mean they're not buying food once they're there. The cinemas have woke up to that going, that's fine. We're not making as much money on the ticket sales, but we're getting so many more people through there. Great. We're still selling the high margin food and all that sort of stuff. So it's understanding where are your lost leaders in the business and what can you afford to be giving away or doing to attract people even if you don't make all the money up front. And this is a really um, important concept in growth in the business, in your business, is because if you don't understand this, you're not going to have the levers to be able to pull when you want to increase capacity or when you want to, um, I guess, 
fundamentally fill capacity in a quicker way. So a loss leader can also be a marketing system. For instance, have you ever tried a product in the supermarket because it was on sale that you wouldn't have normally picked up? So you might go in there and a good one for you, Nigel, because I know you're consuming a lot of ice cream at the moment. Would you try... <laughs> Cheap low, buddy. Cheap low, yeah, low blow, low blow. But you might go in there and you're, you you know, say, you know, you're a more interesting guy, but you might go in to buy a vanilla ice cream and you get a certain brand and you look next to it and go, well, this one's $3 cheaper. It's on sale. And you say, well, just for this tub, you know, for your weekly or daily tub, Nigel, would, would I get the cheaper... <laughs> Ice cream, and you might be persuaded for the sake of you know a thirty or forty percent discount to try that, but for that brand, that's one more consumer that knows if they if you like that brand, that you're probably going to keep buying that. You take it home, your family goes, "Oh, this is nice ice cream, Nigel." You go, "Actually, it's a new brand." Blah blah blah. You have the conversation, but they've had an opportunity to pitch that they wouldn't have had over the sake of taking a smaller margin or even a loss knowing that if you like that ice cream brand, Nigel, knowing you, you could buy a tub a day for the next 20 years. Yeah, 100%. There is one flaw in your plan though. You're assuming that I share the ice cream with my family. That's, that's so true. But in saying that, that's probably a good result anyway if you're liking it so much that you're hoarding it. But it's, it's these little things we have to understand in our business and there's, it's generally misunderstood between discounting and just trying to offer things as a discount to attract a client. It's not that. It's understanding what is a client worth to me on average and what can I do in order to get my product or service into the hands of someone who will be a lifelong lifelong customer. And so doing these things, some businesses do it just as discounting because they think, oh, you have to discount to get people to try you where there's more sophisticated businesses going, this is part of our pricing and profit strategy in order to attract more clients. So people are thinking they're doing the same thing but businesses are actually running them in parallel reasons and one of the reasons is for rapid growth. The other one is, oh, I just need to offer discounts to compete. It's a very, very different thing. It's like when companies can offer for, – for instance, let's give an example of us. Like, well, why not? If I keep a client on average two, three, four years but just say the average was two years in, in terms of the performance consulting and – if we go in there, I go, well, is there any reason that we wouldn't just give every single business that needs a hand the first month free? And if you don't like it, walk away. If we know that on average we can retain clients for two years, would it make any difference if we've got capacity? And there'll be a lot of people out there going, no, Tim, you know, you're discounting, you're cheapening your product. No, 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 that's in the communication. That's in communicating what the free month is. Because one of the barriers of entry for any type of consulting is people are so sick of consultants. Like I hate consultants, let alone the business we run is consultancy. Like I've literally got – if I hear another business coach consultant, like I came from growing all my companies that if I heard another person tell me to get a consultant, I would punch him in the head. Like it's not something that is easy for people to want to take the services because they don't want to get sucked into something else that hadn't worked for them. And in the past, going with a lot of consultants, you know, in inverted inverted commas, it's not a good reputation. So actually getting people to try is a barrier of entry because they need their faith restored that actually a consultant can add real value as opposed to just talking about stuff and walking away. And so for us, we have to get over that barrier going, well, just let them experience the difference we are. 
But we know that the average retention rate is so much, how much money we'll get, how much are our margins and all that. So it's not a loss. It's a loss for us at the start because obviously we have to pay staff, we have to pay the fixed cost of having a client, you have to do all the things. So there is an actual cost of servicing a client. But if you understand that number, it can be a very, very powerful tool because you're starting to systematically invest in areas that are going to have a great return. And it's a, it's a really big principle because at the end of the day, if you're looking at it as a monetary investment rather than a discount going, if I invested $1,000 of my staff time and fixed costs in my business and I return $5,000 in net profit from it, is that a good investment? Like it's a brilliant investment. So yeah. shouldn't I be trying to invest that $1,000 as many times as I can if I can keep producing that result? Where others get so caught up in, oh, I don't want to cheapen my service, it'll make me look cheap. And you go, you're missing the whole game. And this is why you're small because you're not thinking about it as all of this is around how do I invest the limited resources I've got and get the best return for them. So would I be better having someone who's working to fill my capacity or would I better have no one there as my capacity because they're not playing pool t- they're not paying for the full ticket? It's like, are you better running your machine overnight um, with something being manufactured, or are you better to switch it off? And they're the type of um, mathematics that need to be run on on operational type of things. You need to work out: is it better to give someone a fifty percent discount that is an off peak time for your manufacturing? Or is it more cost-effective not to do that? And obviously, as you get busier and busier, you're doing less and less of this. But you need to understand these levers and you need to have them set up in your business because if you understand where you can pull levers that generally attract clients quickly or give them an offer that's too good to refuse, if you're a good business that can then retain the customer and keep that lifetime value, you become very, very powerful. Yeah, and there's a second tier to it that you haven't. Um, you might be getting to it next, but the discounting offer or that loss lead offer you give to one person if you combine that with knowing the client journey after they're on because in the sme space referrals are where a lot of business comes from so if you also know that over that two-year period that your average client gives you three to four referrals each of those referrals they don't necessarily get the discount oh absolutely and that's and i guess that's calculating in lifetime value now an unsophisticated business would look at just as a monetary, I made this much for them over a lifetime. But it, what you're not calculating is exactly what you said, Nigel, which is right, which is, but on average, if you get two referrals a year from a client or you get, you know, what is the secondary gain of having more people dealing with your business? Now, this is obviously all um, dependent on you doing the right thing by clients and being good that you're not a, crap, not a crap product, not a crap service, that people actually want to deal with you and have a lifetime value. So if you, it's not going to save you if you're not a good business anyway. So just don't get me wrong. That's always the provision that you're providing the service and product that you um, are advertising. But if people are generally referring you or you know a way to get referrals out of them or you know a way to make one client turn into two clients as part of your client journey, well, then it becomes even a better mathematical formula because then you become very, very sophisticated. And that's the point. Um, I've seen really great businesses that not only run this really well in order to optimise their profitability and growth, but on a second part of it, they make a condition of going in for the cost or the loss leading offer that they actually bring in other clients, which then 
there's no loss at all because you're actually turning one into two into three clients and it's a self-growing model which is very, very powerful if you can get it right. So just I thought we wanted to talk about that today, Nigel, because I think it's a, a pretty important um, pretty important element uh, with the COVID-19 because there's a lot of capacity around and people not sure what to do and they're basically thinking, well, maybe I just need to put everything on discount. But it's not necessarily the only way. Yeah, it's um, strategic discounting maybe is a way of looking at it so to create those opportunities. But I think it does. it's really important in the environment that we're in at the moment because you've got two types of people, those that are grabbing as much cash as they can and going for the transaction. But if you can get past that reactionary kind of thing and go, what's the long-term play here? Then the longer you think, the more you can turn a transaction into a client. Yeah, and you you couldn't be more on the money, which is it's the short versus long-term thinking. It's still thinking your business is going to be here in a few years and planning towards that and doing the things now that are going to pay off maybe in 12 months' time versus I better hoard cash and then hope that I can just survive, which is which you know, which business do you want to be in in 12 months' time? But what you just said did trigger something and it's also not necessarily – we've been talking a little bit about discounting just for the example of – one of the with the offers. Let me let me place it this way to maybe just finish off my point. If you're sitting there now listening to this, and I said, "Hey, you don't know us from a bar of soap. You may have listened to a few of these podcasts. You may be listening to, you know, us through our social media channels and, and a few of the things like that." But you know, all things being said, you don't know us from a bar of soap. And I say, "Listen, we run a performance consultancy, and that means nothing to you. So nothing's really resonated to you." And you go, yeah, that's fine, Tim. I'm sure you could help me in some way. But to be honest with you, my business isn't ready for that. I go, great. That's that's generally every person starts at that point. And then I said to you, listen, let me do you one better. How about this? If you rang me today, and don't worry, this is not a sales pitch, by the way. I just want to give you an example of the, the shift in mindset. I said, if you called me today and said, I have a business that I believe you can help and you've had experience in. I know you grow SMEs and, you know, I don't really need you, but I'm sure you could help. I go, great. Now, there's no real compelling reason for you to want to um, come and book our services or, or get involved. But if I said, how about this? How about in the next six months, if I don't out-earn my service fee, I pay you back double? What would you think about that? And the first thing we go, Tim, you're full of it because you think, how am I ripping you <laughs> off? Where's the fine print? I go, no, no, no. Not at all. I mean, what if I made a deal that you actually didn't, you had to put the money into an account, but I didn't get to touch it for six months? Would that make you take the deal? And a few of you are going, well, that's interesting. If, you know, if, I, if I honestly thought you weren't full of crap and trying to do some fine print thing where I get ripped off, maybe I would be interested. So we've gone from I don't need your service to I'm willing to try based on providing a, a too good to refuse offer which could be a loss leader because the problem when you start casting the net wide is you'll start picking up more customers but they're not necessarily always ideal customers because they're very price-centric and you have to work through that. But if I know that of all the people that would have taken that deal, what would have happened if I had to pay back 10% of them? And it's not that our service doesn't work because I know it works and we've got a track record. Generally, the missing ingredient is the person running the business probably shouldn't be running a business. Or they have a crap business. That's a reality. There are shit businesses out there. However, the idea of this is 
why suddenly would you consider working with me based on an offer that gives you basically all the protection to take a chance now? And that's a loss leader because on some, on some level I probably will have to pay a couple of things back. I will have to make some deals. I will have to get rid of non-ideal clients. I'll have to work with people I don't want to work with. So there's a couple of things that you need to you know, navigate around this type of thing but think about why you would consider my offer now when you started from I don't really need you to oh, now I would try you. Isn't that a good thing if you've got capacity? And if you know that and I know on average not only do we you know, our average client doubles their business in the first six months. Well, maybe that's, you know, an offer that we can put forward. Now, we're in a lucky position at the moment is we wouldn't have the capacity to do that. So, but for other people, if you can get to that level of sophistication where you understand your numbers, you understand what your business does and you can put in the mechanisms that help people, you can start to make offers that would take, like we just did then, people who are, eh, sounds good but not really too. Yeah, I'll definitely try that. Well, suddenly you've completely changed your marketing efforts and you can completely out-market and out, um, I guess, outsell all your competitors because they're still trying to sell at the same rate. Imagine if you're standing there against two consultants and one of them says, we're so confident in what we can do with your type of business that we'll pay you back twice your fees if we don't do it versus, yeah, I'm a consultant, I'll come in and we, you've got a minimum of three to six months contract with me. Who are you going to go with first? And so it's just these little things and I'm being a bit, you know, uh, I'm exaggerating the type of offer but it's also an offer that we have not not done before. So because we try these things and this is the point, it's finding what works for your business and understanding that what are the lost leaders or even potential lost leaders that you can put in place that have a secondary gain because even if you have to take a loss on a couple of the um, clients or prospects, you, the maximisation as a whole is so different and the profitability of that funnel or that um, growth strategy is so far in the positive that it actually doesn't matter and you're actually happy to take a loss because that's where most small businesses don't get it. They look at it as an individual transaction as opposed to an entire funnel transaction and looking for a positive gain for the investment of the entire money, not just every single um, client, which is, is very silly. Nigel, thank you. Um, I know it's a topic that we discussed a lot and probably, you know, got our first zero to sort of half a million in revenue was our first. We we're using a lot of lost leader type techniques. We we're using a lot of um, uh, guarantee or better type of um, sales uh, initiatives and things like that. So if you're, if you're out there working out what's going to be something to stimulate my growth strategy or a part of it, remember you don't have to give it to everyone. You might decide you're only offering... 10 of these deals or 100 of these deals or whatever it is. So there's ways of structuring it to protect yourself so the loss is minimised if there is a loss at all. But it's more the concept of understanding where am I actually applying this in the right way to attract more clients quickly and then on an average retain more or sell more to the ones that are using my business in order to make the overall strategy a positive one. So Nigel, thank you. Nice to talk about this all the time. As you know, I'm I enjoy this because it brings out the creativity in marketing and sales and allows us to do a lot of things. But for all those of you at home, um, hope you're keeping safe and we'll do it all again tomorrow. See you soon, Nigel. See you, mate. Bye.